What's going on, everybody? This is your weekly rundown 39. Let's get it. Damn, it feels good to be back, Tyler. How you doing this evening? <laughs> I'm doing great, bro. Just you know, I'm. Uh, this is like the first time in what a month that we've had bass on here, right? Yes, sir. Maybe even five weeks. I, I had been away for a long time. Was missing doing this with you guys. Uh, I was missing I'm, you too. Not gonna lie. <laughs> oh, that warms my heart. That warms my heart. Uh, hey. But unfortunately, we we're still missing somebody. Yeah. We're still missing Dan. Uh, he has some work things he has to take care of. And, you know, our boy's a grinder, so we're going to let him do his thing. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, and the crazy thing is, you know, this is a very special episode, Bass. You know that, right? What you talking about? This is our 69th total episode, bro. Nice. <laughs> very nice. Let's go. 69th. Man, we drop so much content every week. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> I, I love it, man. Hours of content every week. We do it for the people, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. This is like month nine of this. This is it's been such a good ride, man. I've really, really enjoyed it. Oh yeah. Uh, but today, guys, on the anime degen rundown, we have first Undead Unluck episode four, uh, Freerun episode eight, Veroni Kenshin episode seventeen, JJK episode fourteen, and Goat Piece episode ten eighty one. Tyler, you ready to get it cracking? Yeah, let's let's give it a start with uh, Undead Unluck, bro. Um, basically, we're going to be talking about episode four. It's Do You Love the Change in Me? And at the end of episode three, we found out that the girl that Fuko was painting with at the lake was actually Gina, and which is the person who captured Andy. And now it's time to reveal their past and get straight to the boxing. Because we all know that there's, there's one thing that DJs like, it's boxing and yes, a little sir. romance. A little romance, but I like seeing people throw hands. Though. <laughs> it's the best. It's the best for me and Bass. So I get the romance. He gets the boxing. So hey, we like it all. We 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 don't we don't shut anything. We don't yuck your yum, if you will. <laughs> but yeah, basically, start this episode off. Uh, Shin is uh, being Shin is the dude that I I don't know his actual skill. I forget it. Uh, he's the uh, the negator that uh, told them to come this way on uh, two episodes ago, I think. I believe it was, yeah. So, it's either the the beginning of episode three or the end of episode yeah. Uh, two. Yeah. Yeah. So he's being updated that Gina has actually made contact with Andy in their little temple thing or whatever. And uh, Fuko at the, the lake in Russia. And... Um, I, me personally, I'm kind of wondering who that girl is that's with him. If, uh, if she's another negator, if she's just like a, uh, servant or something. Um, it seemed like, uh, he was like her sensei. She, she called him sensei. Yeah. Um, he was like praying at like a temple at the beginning of the episode. So I think he's just like a follower of hers, but he, she could also be part of like the round table or whatever. Because we don't know very many of them, so 
Um, but he's pretty he's pretty sure that Andy and Fuko is gonna overcome uh, the obstacle and be able to join uh, the roundtable with them. So, uh, yeah, this him saying him calling Gina an obstacle. Um, <laughs> it was an interesting choice of words. I thought like the people that worked at the roundtable uh, for the union would have a little bit more camaraderie. But it, it kind of seems like they don't care much about each other, even though they're all part of like a select group of negators, you know? Yeah, because he didn't really care if uh, uh, Mecha Boy, I, I'm not sure, Robot uh, Boy. Void. Yeah. yeah, Void. He wasn't really, he didn't really care that he died. And he doesn't really have a lot of feelings with Gina either. But I mean, I think Gina probably is a acquired taste, honestly. <laughs> after I'd this episode. say so. Yeah, so. I, I don't think many people like her. Um. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, speaking of Gina, uh, you know, we see Andy come in. You know, he's he's having to fight her and stuff like that. All that good stuff. We get to the box, and you know, but Gina, Gina out here, she's still looking like she's sixteen. But it was it was confirmed that she was sixty. 66 66 years yeah because so this is 50 years later yeah um she had called him 50 years later and and then andy was actually her prisoner for 10 years yeah so yeah. it's been 40 years since they've seen each other and and it was a really interesting reunion uh andy is a little he's smiling but you know he's probably a little nervous like this is the person that made him a prisoner and uh she like immediately like, grabs his face and starts calling him uh uh was it Andy Dearest? It was undead dearest. Yeah, daddy. Daddy, daddy. dearest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I was like, okay, like I didn't think they'd actually like be uh involved, but it didn't seem like Andy was like down at all. He was like, nah, I gotta I gotta I gotta kill this girl. I think it's a one way relationship, honestly. Uh is it what I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. Cause like kind of right, right off the bat, like Andy, um, he's talking kind of junk to Gina and she like grabs his face with like uh, some of her like un- invisible, like barriers or something like that. And he cuts off his face. Like, so he doesn't have to be like touching her <laughs> <laughs> and probably the weirdest fucking scene in the whole episode. <clears throat> his like skin from his face. She like brings it close to her and is about to kiss it before it like fades <laughs> into oblivion. I was like, Okay, this is an intense first three minutes of the show. <laughs> Not intense, it, but fucking weird, at least. Yeah, it, that that was definitely uh, something. I was like, no way, no way. She she's this crazy, bro. So yeah, absolutely <laughs> bad shit, my boy. But yeah, Gina Gina was actually uh, Andy. As we said, Gina was actually Andy's prison guard and her ca- and his capturer back then. Um, uh, she actually captured his head last time in one of her glass containers or whatever. So, uh, he's kind of a little bit gun shy, I think still, um, as of right now. So, and Gina is also excited that Void is dead. We learned that because she's like, you know, if I can get rid of Unluck, you know, uh, Fuko, then you can just join with me and we can just have our, you know, relationship all we want to be. So, yeah, she really <laughs> trying to reunite. Uh, it, it's crazy. 
And like, yeah, that's another thing. Like Gina's very excited that Void was done. Uh, she was mad that Shin put her hands on Andy. Cause she's like, you know, that he, he's, he's my guy. Like, don't, don't fucking touch him. She's very possessive <laughs> over Andy. Um, but I think that like goes further to like explain like that. The, the people at the round table, the negators at the round table, they, don't, they do not care about each other at all. Dude is dead. And she's like, okay, good. And I also think we, me and Dan was talking as well. It don't act like Gina was able to get out very much. I think she's like stuck inside a lot more than we think she actually is. You know what I mean? So... I think so. Uh, I wish I would have gotten to take part in that because, yeah, like the, the reverse Stockholm syndrome is crazy. You you catch a man his head and you 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 put him in a fucking prison and like you you fall in love with him. I mean, bro is kind of hard boiled, but like it's still it's fucked up. <laughs> You're his fucking guard. Like relax. And even that, even on top of that, you know, back then she was only sixteen, obviously. Yes. So he wasn't. He, as an older gentleman, probably, we still don't really know his age, but um, he was probably had zero interest in her at all. He probably looked at her like a, you know, daughter, kid, you know, stuff like that. So he probably still looks at her like that, kind of, so. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, was, it was a little nuts. I think they showed, uh, like, the moment that they fell, well, that Gina fell in love, because he was like, <laughs> no worries about capturing me, you know, I'll get out of here, no problem. Um, and she was just like infatuated from that point forward. Yeah. And so I guess next, uh, we'll talk a little bit about, uh, you know, the boxing because that's what most of this episode is. Let's go. But, before, but before we get into it, uh, did you actually have any idea like what her powers could be, what her negator negation could be? I don't know. Like, so I, I was being away for so long. I had to watch these episodes like back to back. So I don't think I had really picked up on the fact that like they're called negators, right? But like that didn't really hit me. So I was like, what could she be negating? And I didn't really understand. Um, so I didn't have any ideas. I thought it was maybe my first guess was air because air is everywhere. Um, and she looked it up the water. So I was like, maybe it's oxygen. Oxygen is in almost, you know, everything. Um, or carbon. Yeah. Carbon bonds, everything organic it has some carbon in it somewhere. So I was thinking maybe something like that. And it was a little bit more simple than what I was thinking. Well, I, I can never get past the um I have a hard time getting past the un uh which you know, the negating ability, mm. but the un, you know, in order to um undo something in order to make, you know, platforms, um, you know, domes you know everything that she's making like i just couldn't really get that through my head and figure out what she's undoing you know i'm not i'm not smart like that bro (laughs) yeah i mean they did give us a flat out clue um during the painting in in episode three she's like i don't like change so it's just unchanged (laughs) i mean it's actually wild i was gonna bring that up too the fact that they really throwing in clues like that bro and yes, I mean, we just sitting here eating it up and not even knowing what the hell we're listening to. Exactly, so. exactly. But I like that they brought it back though and actually told us how stupid we was. <laughs> yeah, they said we, we already told you what it is. Like you should have known. I was like, okay, okay, guys. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, we also find out during this sequence that Gina was the one that attacked him while he was on the yacht, um, and. 
uh, all that good stuff. We, we at the time we thought that it was uh, um, her on Lux. Lux. Yeah, yeah, we did. So uh, but, maybe it kind of was though. Maybe it still was, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, Andy was saying that yeah, it was her. She he figured it was her that, that attacked them, but I'm not sure how. Um, because it was like that really range attack uh, from above. I, I don't remember what actually came crashing down on them. But well, yeah. no, it, I think it was both, right? Because it was a volcano. I think Dan said shot up from the ground, right? Oh that, yeah, 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 yeah. Is that yeah, or is that One Piece? <laughs> oh no oh no i don't know uh but yeah uh but you know as we said andy andy finally figured out what she negates and uh by using a shuriken gadget uh I'm, i don't i don't remember that really oh so yeah her her hat turns oh. it's like yeah it's like her hat like rotates and it's like blade sticking out of the side and like she holds it that's like her main weapon i guess her she so throws that, it and it's a close quarters weapon as well so you're calling that a shuriken gadget bro i don't fucking know what else to call it a beyblade hat like <laughs> sounded better than Bay, beyblade hat i don't fucking know <laughs> you know her character design would probably go so hard if it wasn't for that damn hat bro yeah it, it would i was pretty glad when she finally like took it off and had it in her hand at, at fucking least it was goofy until I figured out what it was. <laughs> but yeah, I, I never looked at it like a shuriken, bro. That's 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 wild. Uh, I like it though, best. I like your, uh, I like it. But uh, the way he figures it out, he sticks a grenade in his mouth and just blows himself up and makes blood go everywhere. And therefore, he's able to actually see, um, uh, like her hands, invisible hands and stuff, and he's able to actually figure out that her ability is unchanged and uh basically do you do you have like a really good explanation of that besides just unchanged yeah so she can she can stop a change in form of like any uh inanimate matter is what it seems like so uh when we're talking about her levitating the water she's just kind of like cutting a point in the water and it's like okay you can't move out of this kind of like a mold she can create with the the edge of it and she can lift it up and move it around she can do the same with air which makes it really tough and that's why she can grab and slash things um so i think that's pretty much it it's unchanged of a certain area matter she can use air what i mean anything that's inanimate yeah they got pretty deep into it but most of that went over my head i wasn't really a science guy so it's all uh, good <laughs> i uh i thought the scene with him like i was just as shocked as uh Fuko and Gina when he like stuck a fucking grenade in his mouth and started cutting off his own head. I was like, bro, what? What are you doing? And then he kind of uses uh parts bullet head and just shoots his head up in the air. And I was like, this this like we know he's crazy. We know Andy's a fucking lunatic, but like stick a grenade in your mouth, bro. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Nuts. And I think I think he actually swallowed it, bro is what it made out to be as his um as his stomach um like regrew or whatever so yeah it was just crazy but yeah he he did a good job uh, cuz i mean that's what they're the whole first half of the episode um they were just really trying to back up and figure out what was going on because Andy knew like it would just be the same situation again if he couldn't figure out what her actual uh, rules were 
And yeah. then from there, we kind of got into Gina thinking Foucault was like seducing Andy because like when he reforms his body, um, he's like tucked under her shirt. And she's like, <laughs> Gina's like, you know, Foucault, I didn't, I didn't know you were a naughty girl seducing him with those melons. And I was like, bro, this is, this is some, this is beyond me. Um, I was telling Tyler before we got on, I was like, I was watching this uh, with another person, like the first half of the first episode, I turned that shit off. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a, it's a good show, but like, it's, it's still like, a, it's, it's right there on the edge for me. It's right there on the edge for me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, definitely uh, it's got some sus, uh, sus stuff in it. So, for, for sure. sure. Um, one of the more important things that we got out of this episode, though. Was I, we actually learned about some of the negating? Um, so apparently, there's two different types, and this is the first time we've heard of. There's a self-target uh, negating and an external target negating, and um, basically, Gina is a external target because uh, her negation can only be used on anything outside of herself. Uh, or mostly anything outside of herself, with a few exceptions like living things. Um, and a self-target uh, is basically a negator that uses it on their self and can't use it on anything else, kind of like Andy. So his undead is a self-target uh, negation uh, ability because he can't use it on Fuko or Gina or anybody else. He's got to use it on himself, so... Yeah, I thought that was a, a, a good thing to finally learn because I was really unsure about the rules um, because, yeah, people were targeting other people or things. And then um, and then you have like people like Foucault can only target other things. But Andy is for himself. So I'm glad they finally like explained it. There is a rule, uh, like a widespread rule on how that works. That was good. There's probably more, though, too, more rules to this. So for we just sure, ain't figured sure. them out yet. So, um. But as far as what happens next, basically, after he figures out the powers, he starts, like, analyzing um, her actual barriers and figures out that she has a weakness because everybody has weaknesses, right? Um, and it's actually, uh, you know, where she's walking at. So she has to have a hole in order to walk and move, obviously, which is... Pretty smart of uh, Andy and Fuko to figure that out. So yeah, because I mean, once once Andy like figured out what the power was, he's like, okay, now how the fuck do I actually stop this? Because she constantly has up that that orb around her, so you can't you can do nothing with her if she doesn't want you to. Um, but yeah, Fuko, good eyes right there, because she was like mad at them, but she was still only like walking towards them. So she has like subtle control of that orb. She's that barrier she's in. Yeah. But one thing I wanted to point out was like uh Gina said that the round table was investigating a UMA hiding out at the lake. Um they didn't really get into it anymore during the episode. Do you think that that's going to become relevant again? Or you think that's just kind of like her reason for like being there and it's like they're just not going to go into it. And uh correct me if I'm wrong, a UMA is basically like Andy and Fuko, right? Just a uh, Yeah. Yeah. Just like a un uh, unrecognized uh, mass destruction, blah blah blah. Yeah, like a negator. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it could. Be, I think it could. Um, you know, uh, 
but they're not I don't think they're really sure though that it's 100% there I think they're just looking for it there but why would it be in the ocean though unless it has some kind of crazy negating abilities in order to make them breathe down there I don't know so um and and we'll probably bring it up towards the end of this segment but we're we're, we're getting towards it is that uh Gina says, like, you know, at the end of the episode, she's been forced to kill animals and people. So it could be yeah. an animal. It could be like a fish with unnegating or, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever lives is living in that lake. So it's not just people that have these powers. It's, it's also animals. Yeah, she did say animals and beasts and stuff like that. So it could be like a Loch Ness monster, you know? True. true oh, Nessie true. might be over there. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, after that, they I mean, they, they, they kind of just keep boxing and the plan to take down Gina is like to get inside of that hole she has in her like her own barrier. She uses just for herself, just for defense. And Andy ends up cutting off his own head, arms and legs and having uh, Foucault kind of like use his katana to like turn the barrier, which I thought was ridiculous because it seems like she has really good control over these things, like te- telepathic control. <laughs> And just like throws her head in there, and then like the 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 union ship that was like invisible hits her with like this big fucking ray that took out like half a mountain. But you know Andy's fine, and then we see Gina laying there, almost dead, face cracking, all that makeup, and I think she was using like the the unchanged on like the area just around her skin. No, what they, it seemed like to me. So they actually they actually got into that. Um, uh, Andy actually told her. If, or said it a few times, the anti-aging technology. And oh. she denied using it. But at the end, she said, you know, that's the reason why her skin and shit was cracking was because the anti-aging technique was wearing off now that she was dying. So that makes she sense. kept on lying and saying that, you know, it was makeup and, you know, just her natural ability or whatever. But, um... It was actually the anti-aging technique, which I don't know what it is, so we don't yeah. know yet. Crazy, crazy, crazy girlfriends do lie. That, that's a fact. <laughs> but something I wasn't expecting at the end of this episode was, uh, so Andy was about to finish off Gina, and he, I think he had a change of heart there and was like, you know, I'm not going to put her out of her misery. She didn't have much time left. And and Gina really like laid her heart on the line here. Um We've had a lot of fun moments in this show so far. I've been laughing a lot and enjoying it. And I didn't think this show was going to go here or at least this soon, you know. And Gina kind of like confesses that she has wanted to change, but the union has, you know, kind of forced her hand and to capture, you know, and execute, you know, many people. And like I said before, Beast. And she was kind of at their, at their beck and call. So she was feeling like she couldn't get out of the situation she was in. And it kind of, you know, it kind of felt like she felt like she was like almost like free in a way. Um, were you expecting this kind of emotion, like this is hard hitting shit? Uh, not really. Um, uh, it's not that type of show, or it doesn't seem to be that type of show. But this this kind of thing makes you wonder, though, um, how Andy and Fuko now that they've killed two people, and now that they, I assume, uh, attend are gonna attempt to become members of the round table or whatever. Um, how are they going to deal with having to kill people that aren't like, you know, uh, 
dead or innocent, you know. So that just just you know deserve to die just because they got dealt a bad hand and got negation powers. You know what I mean? So yeah, I I think that's gonna be probably the 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 bulk of the problem for the the rest of the season uh, because it seems very cutthroat. Um them having to deal with people that want to become a part of the round table and then the union itself um, being their bosses. Yeah. They're not getting hunted anymore, but they're a lot more restricted about what they can do. It feels like. Yeah. It yeah. makes you wonder if Andy's actually going to be able to do it or if he's just going to brush them off like he does everything else. So we will see my friend. We will see, <laughs> but you ready for some, uh, Freya Ren? Uh, yes, sir. Let's do this shit. All right, all right, all right. This is Freerin episode eight. Freerin the Slayer. This girl's by it. Okay, <laughs> so in in this episode, we see this uh this anime heat up even more, man. Uh, it's really been picking up, and uh, Fern and Stark begin to fight back against the demon peace, quote unquote peace, uh, envoy on Freerin's orders. Meanwhile. Our favorite elf is ready to go back to her old ways. So, I mean, just to start off this episode, right where we left off last time in episode seven, Draughts, one of Aura, the executioners, uh, Aura's executioners, tries to pull up on Freeran while she's stuck in the, the jail cell. And, like, we know he's really not that guy. We, <laughs> we know this, this elf is, like, over a thousand years old, just been roaming around, getting stronger. And he goes for... A 1v1 with her in a closed space. I would never. Um, <laughs> but Freeman like, is like trying to be nice. And she's like, you know, I'm, I'm really strong. And Draw, it's like, I, I, I'm not seeing that. And she's like, okay, bro. She, and like, uh, she's like, I'm stronger than you. She's like, well, real, how strong are you? She's like, I'm stronger than Aura, which is her, his fucking boss. Like the, the, big, yeah. the big baddie. And you know, like if, if it was me, and somebody I was fighting said that and like was super calm about that shit and was just looking at me dead in my eyes, deadpan. I might be like, yeah, I might leave now. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a 50-50 shot that this chick is bullshitting me. But, you know, it's also 50, like I said, 50-50 that she's not. I'm a, it's, it's, it's a coin flip whether I'm going to lose my life or not. <laughs> not me. I'm hitting the road, bro. Somebody else can figure that out. They can flip that coin. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let Aura take care of that shit. <laughs> yeah. I really love that scene. And, um, uh, you know, uh, me and Dan was actually talking about it. The staff, you know, she's always got the staff. And we was wondering if she would be able to actually um, use magic without her staff. Or if she would just pull it out of thin air. Because we noticed that she does that, too. Um, so that was another point that we was looking for in this episode. Yeah. So I, I think the, like the general thing with like mages, um, at least in this world is like, they always have their staff on them, but like, it's, it's thin air. They can conjure it if you will. Yeah. Um, I don't think the spells that they use require, it. um, like small spells. Right. Yeah. I think the, the, the staff is more of a channeling object, yeah. like for them to use like more of their max power. Which, you know, Freyrin just did not need that. Yeah. So she didn't even pull it out because he's like super low level. Yeah. And after, like I said, after this episode, we actually confirmed that now. So uh, she, she can use, we, people can use uh, magic without their uh, staffs. So it's, 
But like Bass was saying, it, she he was just so su- low level that she didn't need to focus that much energy into killing him. So I don't even know if she would need that much energy to kill uh, the main chick Aura or whatever. So probably probably not from what we learned about her at the, yeah. the last of the episode. <laughs> but just just to finish off this section, Drought like pulls out like a magic string, and he says it's demon kinds like you know one of their strongest spells. And he has it wrapped around her neck and he's gonna about to hang her. And she was like, yeah, I really can't do anything about this string. And he's like, I'm going to cut through your mana around your neck and your neck. And Frerin is just so cold with it. She's like, these demons today are so hopeless and they have no battle experience and just cuts <laughs> off his hands and kills him. Shit was dope. I didn't know she was cold like this. You know what I'm saying? She's been collecting spells for blue flowers and shit. I didn't know she had it like this. You know what I'm saying? I didn't see this shit. When you put it in that perspective, bro, this shit, this shit's wild, man. This shit's so wild. <laughs> yeah, we, but we know, like, her master's OP. And so I guess sometimes yeah. I forget that because they haven't really been doing anything. Yeah. Uh, kind of just wandering around. <clears throat> but, you know, we go back to, uh, like, the streets of uh, the city. And Fern is talking to Stark. And he's saying, you know, we need to petition for our master's release so we can kind of, like, have her beat these demons because like this is light work to her i know it is and stark says you know what i i agree because i know we can't do it because lord uh lugner didn't even pay us any attention when freren was getting um was getting arrested he wouldn't even look at us but i think he like he's really low on himself he doesn't have much that much confidence but my interpretation of that scene well, uh, before i get into it what was your interpretation of that scene when he like was completely disregarding those two yeah, I mean, well, Stark kind of hit the nail on the head, I think. I think that he's just uh, too confident to... Uh, he thinks that all the humans are below him, except for, you know, Freeran, obviously. And that's the only reason why he was uh, uh, noticing or giving her any attention, I guess you can say. Mm-hmm. It's because he thought that she he was she was the only one that was close to his level but he's sadly mistaken because he ain't even close to her level so right my my interpretation of it was like so we knew after stark defeated that dragon pretty much a couple hit ko or one hit ko that that he was really strong like his his master um eisen eason was a beast and he was afraid of him um and he and they defeated the demon king this guy's boss is boss is boss yeah. So what I was thinking is was that Lugner was so afraid of the elf, he didn't want to look anywhere else. Mm. That's what I was thinking. It's like, okay, I have this massive threat right in front of me. I have to be looking at her. She might kill me right now. I thought it was more fear. Okay. Than disregard. It could have been. You know, he's very good about not showing fear. So yeah, I mean, if you got a, what we've seen, if you got a grizzly bear in your room, you know, and a and a bunch of scorpions, you probably gonna look at the grizzly bear. You know what I'm saying? Scorpion gonna kill you too, bro. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good analogy, though. Out there, very good analogy. <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but yeah, we we after this little scene uh, with them talking, uh, we we go back to where the demons are kind of like having their their tea and their breakfast or whatever, hanging out in, in a small library and um 
Lenny, the the small girl demon from the envoy, she immediately realizes, oh, Draught's energy, his his mana is gone, like it, it's gone, and and then Lugner's like, okay, he must be dead. But I thought it was really good that he said back to uh, Lenny that. You don't die just from underestimating somebody. Not us, you know. Yeah, he's like, like not us. Yeah, you you have to be like so. I think they, he was like saying to her, like he died to something really powerful. It's probably that elf. Um, it's not just simple miscalculation. He got completely overpowered. Um, but upon uh, the kind of the graph comes in and realizes Drop must have gone to kill the elf, and he understands that Freerin wouldn't kill a guard and they found a guard dead and, and freer and gone. And because, and he doesn't think that she would kill a guard because she didn't, she had the opportunity to kill a bunch of people and she kind of just laid down and went to jail peacefully. Why would she are, you know, why would she all of a sudden switch up and then start killing people knowing the consequences, the possible yeah, consequences. Yeah, he's pretty smart about that too. You know, that's, that's pretty uh, logical thinking. So yes, yes. I wasn't expecting him to like deduce that in this episode. I thought he was just going to think Freeran was the killer. But she did too, so. Yeah, props to the graph on this one. Yeah. But unfortunately, the graph and his guards got fucking dog walked by Lugner. <laughs> I mean, as soon as he kind of like uh, Lugner kind of let down the the veil on his fake niceness, because we all know demons use words to manipulate people. And Lugner himself says, you know, we're really just wild beasts. I mean, we, we only use words to, like, try to slow y'all down and trick you guys. And he was actually very happy that he could use violence now. And I was like, okay, like, I kind of like your energy. You're not a good guy, but I like the energy. You know, he, he wants the box. I want to see some boxing. We're aligned in a way. Um, one line that kind of stuck out to me while the graph was getting absolutely dog walk he says the weak always die whether it's an uh lose whether it's words of war or war just like the bearer of this sword which i couldn't mm. remember if it was his son that used to wield that sword or his father his but that son. really gets the graph yeah i believe yeah it was his it was his son and that's when he admits to just being a wild beast and kind of takes him captive and he could have cut off his head very easily but he he's playing the long game yeah well, because they want the barrier to come down, you know, uh, and they know that the only way to get the barrier down is if he's alive and he shows them how to get it down. So, yes, and uh, I believe that barrier was actually created by Freerin's uh, master, wasn't it? Yeah, Flame. Yeah, uh, apparently, from what I understood, she put her barrier spell around a single, um, budding uh something flower tree i'm not sure and it mm -hmm. grew into over the town right is what i assume is i i got out of that situation i think he was just it was just to show us that she puts that she uses barriers i think it may have been remember that tree that they were searching after to like to get flame it's like a, i don't know what to call it premonition her after after ghost or something like that yeah I think that may have been the tree or just like a random bud in the ice storm that she liked. But I think it was oh. just to show us that she she had great barriers. You know, you she think can so? Well, it was a blizzard and it was like a little well, little sprout. I think it was just to show us the power that she has. So 
the way I literally took it is that um, uh, she placed that from from what the dialogue said, it made it sound like that she placed that spell a thousand years ago, and that barrier grew in that time and made the barrier over the town. That's that's what it sounded like to me, but I don't know. That was very. Hey, it's cooler than what know. I just said. We're gonna yeah. go with it. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, but I could be wrong, and it could be uh, just uh, showing us how it works, but that would be super cool if it was that. But they was very vague about it, so um, about were. the barrier the situation, so. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, but 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 either either way, uh, getting back to the, the plot here, um, Stark and, and, and Fern are actually going to petition to the graph, but they see Fredrin walking towards them and kind of walks past them and she pulls him into the alleyway and Fredrin with more cold ass lines. Um, you know, Stark is like begging her to go fight Lugner and she's like, and he's like, Oh, he's so strong. And Fern's like, Oh, he's so strong. And she's like, you're, you're not going to fight them just because they're strong. I thought it was yeah. cold. And then she follows <laughs> it up with some good, some, with some good uh, mentor words. Besides, I don't think you're weaker than them. Which we find is, is 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 very true, but I think my first impressions of Freeran was that she wasn't a great teacher. I thought she was just gonna like waste away Fern's life and then be like, "Oh shit, she's about to die." But she's actually a great teacher, man. Yeah, well, she believes in she believes in um, uh, making her do shit on her own when she knows that she can do that shit. Yes. So she don't like interfering if she knows that she can do it by herself then there's no need for her to step in she has to either sink or swim it's basically i mean it's a proven 100%. method you know so yeah. baptism by fire that's what they <laughs> called that in my first job uh, after work i mean after after college yeah it was it was a little nuts but yeah um so Freeran says you know i have to leave town anyway i need to get out of here and um, she like fakes leaving because she thinks she's about to get pressed for killing the guard. When really she's been sensing a large amount of mana outside the city and is really sensing the mana of Aro the guillotine. And she knows who, who it is. So I guess your mana has like some sort of signature they can kind of tell you because she's faced her before. But it was something a little sly. It's like Freeran was like smiling. She's like, I hate fighting strong opponents too. But she was smiling like a goddamn devil. Yeah. I think she's about to go stop this woman real quick because she's really not that strong compared to her. Yeah, I think that she wants to think that she hates fighting strong people. I think it gives her that thrill, but though, you know. Yes, sir. The not shakes. many things give her a thrill, probably, but this probably does. So. Yeah, she's like, I, I get to go do what I do best. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm her. Yeah. yeah. She, she about to mix it up. I, I'm, I'm, and I'm, very excited to see it. Yeah. But yeah, on, on to uh, Ferns and Stark's little rescue mission. And just from the jump, I thought it was pretty cool. They're like invading the castle at night, just them two sneaking in. And Fern was like kind of just floating around, walking across water and shit like she Jesus. <laughs> and and Stark was like roughing it. Like he's walking through the water with his, his uh, axe above his head, swimming, climbs up the wall. And it's like, you know, jump up, Fern. And she's like floats over him. So <laughs> I love that guy. Stark. Yeah, sometimes it's a little overkill, but Stark is is good comic relief. Yeah. 
Well, um, Furman Furnace too, though. I, I enjoy be. all the character yeah. dynamics. So they they, they, they they do this really good. So I I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, but yeah, while this is happening, there the uh, the demons have uh, captured the graph, and Lugner's kind of explaining demon magic to the graph. Uh, you know, the, the villain's got to do his little monologue shit. And yeah. he explains to us that demons spend their whole lives like developing magic. However, all it takes is one genius to outmatch them. And this is kind of where the scene where um, Flame was putting the, the shield, I mean, the barrier around that little plant we were talking about. And he says, you know, we spend our long lives creating this intricate magic, this powerful magic, and all it takes is one genius to, to screw everything up. And he's really talking about the barrier. So he hates geniuses. And then that's where he kind of gets into like making the graph talk. So he's going to pretty much torture this guy. But first he says, I know silence is a torture to you humans. So I'll be back in a little bit. And that's when Stark comes out and cuts, tries to cut the graph loose. But the rope has been imbued with a, a strong magic. And really, we think Stark is struggling and was like, wasn't prepared for this. But really, he uses it as an opening, and Lugner comes back in. He's like, this dumbass kid is in here trying to free him. <laughs> and even the graph is like, yeah, this dumbass kid is in here trying to free me, man. <laughs> uh, you know, he probably should leave, but it's a little too late. But nobody knows that Stark is really that clean with it. And uh, he cuts off uh, Lugner's right arm uh, uh, along with some of his torso. But he, then he pins him down and kind of yells out for Fern, saying, I created this opening, you know, take advantage. And Lugner's very confused about how Fern evaded Lenny's uh, detection. And she just kind of used an ordinary offensive spell is what she called it and obliterated Lugner. Didn't quite kill him, but it seemed like it wasn't close. Right, Tyler? Yeah. Well, the only reason, yeah, I think she got a little excited, I think, and um, kind of, Almost missed. It was what it seemed like. She didn't really hit the center mass. She just, she kind of hit a little right. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I think I think it could have killed him. But it just, uh, it just missed the mark a little bit. Probably nerves, honestly. Yeah, I, I think so. And uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the room because you you have the graph in there. You have, um. Stark in there, and she has to be kind of careful because I think she could have obliterated that whole room if she really wanted to. Um, yeah, so she had to be precise, and she it was just a little little off here. And Lugner's trying to kind of talk to her to uh, get some regen going so they can actually fight. And she asked him, you know, what the fuck did you just use on me, dog? Like, what, <laughs> what, what was that? And she calls it Zolt. He's like, you know, ordinary offensive magic. Uh, you guys call it Zoltrak. He was like, bullshit. That's, that's not Zoltrak. We like we got past that fifty years ago. Like, what are you doing? Um, and she realizes that they're trying to talk to her to like slow down time. She's heard Firin say that they they use words as weapons, um, just like people do. But um, and she's like, yeah, it's time to leave. Like the graphs hurt. We gotta go. But one thing I had a question for you is, um, do do you think demon magic is just that much weaker? than average human magic? Or do you think it's, it's Furin and, and Fern that have like this really powerful magic? Um, 
I'm not sure, um, to be honest with you, because we've not seen, like, any other, like, crazy magic display right now. But the demon uh, Lugner uh, goes on to say something that's kind of interesting, too. And he says that um, they've invented this Zotrak. They're calling it Zotrak, but it's actually um, uh, magic that's uh, invented to kill demons specifically. Right. Demon killing, demon killing magic. And... Um, and I think he goes on to say that Furin was the one that helped, uh, like make it go that way and kind of invent this. So it makes you wonder if only certain people are capable of using that, uh, that caliber of magic, or if it's available for everyone. Because we just haven't seen anybody. We've only seen what Fern and and Freeran and the demons so far using magic so yeah that's true like we haven't really seen any other like strong mages yet so uh, hopefully they explore that a little bit um because the demons having such long lives you would think they would be able to to come up with really strong magic and develop it but i think it was mentioned in episode two or no, no not episode two i think like episode five or six that demons are mostly solitary creatures so they might be working on a magic and like it not be that powerful because they're not working together like humans tend to do, or they might not have apprentices that they teach to. Um, so I, I don't know if it's that or if they, if, if Furin's just, well, we know Furin's OP. Uh, we yeah. learned that in just a second. I'll, well, I'll get into that. <laughs> but yeah, L Luckner is really trying to figure out who Fern is like reminding her of uh, him of. And she's like, he's like, wait a second. I've been hit by this spell before this shit hurts and it hurts the same. And he's like, it's the, like Tyler said, he's like, this is the person who helped humankind understand Zoltrak. And she's killed more demons than anybody else in history. Furin the Slayer. Shit is sick. And it kind of cut. Hard lines, bro. Yeah, she's really hurt. <laughs> she's really hurt. And like it cuts to Furin floating in front of Aura and her little army. And it's, it's, it's about to be curtains for her. We already know that. Yeah, um... All I want to say is, you know, um, leading up to this episode, I've already been floating around, you know, anime of the year type shit. But this anime keeps on coming back with steady animation plus great, like, all-around storytelling. And it just keeps getting better and better with the character development. I don't see how this doesn't win, like, anime of the year, honestly, so... Yeah, it's been so good so far, and like we're really just heating up. Do you know how many episodes this season's supposed to be? It's supposed to be two cowers, so consecutive oh. two cowers. So oh, perfect. I'm here yeah. for it. Cool. Maybe cool, twenty eight. Cool. So yeah, excellent, A excellent. Actually, I'm very excited. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's pretty much the whole episode. Uh, you want to get us into our next segment? Uh, yeah. So let's do Roni Kitchen episode seventeen, settling the score. And basically, we uh, have Kenshin rushing Utero to the doctor where they get some heavy news. Um, afterwards, Kenshin comes back and continues to fight Rajuda and unveils the truth about him and his sword. So we basically start off kind of like where we was at at the last episode. The doctor's telling the team 
uh, Team Kenshin that Yuta tendons are gone and that um, he can never practice swordsmanship again, which is a killer for him, obviously. Um, uh, very sad news. Uh, everybody's de devastated. Yahiko's even just as devastated as Yuta is. Um, and Kenshin starts on his way to go settle the score. And, you know, he's like, no, bro, you need to come see this too, because this is, this is your life, you know, that, uh, he's fighting over basically. So. Yes, sir. Yeah. I, I, I thought that was like really important that, that Yuta actually goes in and, and checks this fight out and, and see how Kenshin tryoffs and like reveals who this guy really is. Um, because I mean, yeah, he hurt him, but I don't. I think he needs to see the the depth of his his bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, while Kenshin is on his way back, um, apparently it's been a couple hours now, and Rajuja's over here thinking that Kenshin already ran off, and Sanosuke is just like, bro, <laughs> if only you was that lucky, you know, um, for Kenshin to run off. But unfortunately, you're not um, because he will be back and you will regret when he gets back. So it would be best for you to use that as your excuse to leave now if you are smart, basically. Yeah, if, if he was a smart man, he, he would have just left, um, especially who he gets outed as. Um, and then upon the return, we kind of like learned that uh, Kenshin's already figured out Rajuta's like range attack, at least the, the Toby. Izuna, it's just a wind scythe. Um, his close quarters combat uh, ability, the uh, Matoi Izuna is very similar, but it just doesn't travel. Um, it stays on the end of his sword pretty much. So Kenshin's just like dodging attacks, looking clean, pretty usual. And Sanusuke, I thought it was pretty funny. He was like on the sideline glazing pretty hard. And he, he, he says verbatim, only third tier guys get a get hit twice or thrice by an attack they've seen once, Kenshin would never make such a blunder. Like, that's extreme glazing to me. He needs to chill out. Let this man fight. <laughs> but he's speaking facts, though, bro. I mean, it's true, but, like, <laughs> let the man just fight. Like, you really ain't got to narrate, bro. Like, it's it's not that deep. That's his whole purpose now, after he got shit on by Kenshin, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're not lying. He, he really is just the commentator. I mean, unless they get to like the uh, like a main baddie, you know, he's basically the commentator, just like Yahiko. So true. Oh, damn! Compare <laughs> boy to a ten year old. That's crazy. Um, <laughs> but he, he also he does give us some like some good information. Uh, yeah. Sanosuke actually tells us that the Toby Izuna like each Izuna attack really can't get blocked, but then he starts glazing again. It's like Kenshin can see bullets, so he's good. Yeah, I mean, if you can dodge a bullet, it's like dodgeball, man. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, man. Yeah, yeah, tell him, <laughs> tell him. <laughs> but uh, basically, uh, Rajuda can no longer take the bullshit coming that uh, Sanosuke is, you know, spewing over there and just basically just start sending barrages of Azunas. And he finally gets one good scratch on him, on his wrist, just one scratch out of like a five-minute barrage, probably. And Rajuda gets so happy, and Kenshin's just like, you know, I can tell, man. I can tell that somebody that gets so happy like that over one little tiny scratch, you've never killed anyone, but yet 
you say you're wielding a murderous sword, and that was some hard shit. Yeah, yeah. Were you were you shocked that that that? Well, did you see this coming? And were no. you shocked that Kenshin read it that that quickly? Well, I mean, I'm not shocked that Kenshin read it like that, but I'm shocked that he for being. Because what what shocks me the most about it is that he was so ready to kill that old man, um, the uh, master of the dojo, um, before. So it made you believe that he's killed before and he had the intent to kill at that time. Um, but yet he's never killed a soul. And that's just wild to me. Uh, it's almost unbelievable, honestly. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, but we learned a little, a little bit more. I think we had already learned at this point, so I'll, I'll go out and say it. Uh, these are Zuna attacks. Like they, they cut you, but they don't cause bleeding. So like you really don't die from them. So he might, he, you know, he might be realizing, oh, I'm defeating these people. I'm like cutting them down, but like they're living. So he hasn't really like had to deal with that heavy fact that he just like ended another human being. Yeah. And it was, it was pretty funny. Like I, before Kenshin even said anything, um, I was like, okay, this dude's going way too hard over a scratch. Because we hadn't seen anybody in the show do that at all. Yeah. And, I mean, I, I get it, you know. Um, if you've been going at it with him for a while and you haven't been able to hit him and you finally hit him one time, you know, maybe get excited about it, obviously. But at that point, you're you're just getting shit on. And you should probably <laughs> run away while you can. <laughs> yeah, for but. sure. For sure. And then uh, Kenshin started talking crazy to this man once he had figured out he hadn't killed anybody. He said uh, he called his, his, his sword style prideful and careless instead of murderous. I mean, which is very, very accurate. He, th- he really thought he was the bee's knees. Um, wow, I sound like I'm 70. I don't think I've ever <laughs> said that in my life. Um, but... Yeah, he really hadn't done anything. Like he was pretty much intimidating people um, by using a real sword. When most people, I mean, really everybody uses bamboo swords for training. So he, he you know, he he's six foot five, tall for nothing, as they say. Yeah. Um. So like he he straight up got bitched by Kenshin, and so Rajuda, you know, he he gets mad all over again and, and starts attacking with, with with some of his close range attacks. And starts going to a combination of the Toby Izuna and the Matoi Izuna. And Sanusuke, I believe, starts narrating again. Uh, right, Tyler? Yeah, 100%. And he's like, you know, if it wasn't for your attitude and shit, you know, I'm pretty sure he's like, he could have changed the world, right? He could have changed, like, the, the techniques, because that's uh, hard to fight against. But, you know... Ken, for Kenshin, it's, it's hardly nothing. So, because uh, uh, he just doesn't really care. Uh, you know, he, even though all that's happening and he's trying to keep the distance, uh, he ends up cutting, I think, his hand again, I believe. Uh, right? It was his, his left leg. Yeah. Oh, his left leg. Yeah. While mm-hmm. he's in the air, he's like, well, you can't move now. Um, you're just going to have to stand there. But from what it looked like, it didn't really look like it hit his leg that hard, though. So yeah, it like barely got his like pant leg. Yeah, he's wearing them. Uh, uh, 
what's the word for it? The uh, the parachute pants. Yeah, the parachute pants. Yeah, bro. yeah, yeah. I noticed that. I noticed that. <laughs> Kenshin styling. Yeah. It's his own weapon right there. His own defense. Parachute pants, man. Who would have known? Mm-hmm. But yeah. But yeah, he, then we get into like the craziness of the the hardest shit I've probably seen on this show. And uh uh Rajuda's just going crazy, talking shit and thinking he won. It's like, how are you gonna attack me? Blah blah. You you can't do mid range unless you know what I know, you know, the techniques I know. And he's like, Nah, I got something for you. You want to tell him? You want to tell him what happened, Bass? Since you're yeah. the Kenshin man. Kenshin, Kenshin literally threw his sword hilt first at this man's forehead and like knocked him off balance, and then like grabbed, uh, put put the hilt on as he was grabbing the sword to like push him back. Turns his sword around as boys on his back and like pretty much sword. Uh, she punches him in the fucking forehead. This oh, shit was oh, nice. Man. Yes. Um, and he actually <laughs> knocked him out. Yeah, and I thought I thought that was the end of the fight, but Rajuta, you know, being bitch made, uh, takes Yahiko as a hostage, and then Yahiko even gets on his case and is like, you know what, kill me if you can, and even if I die, I'd never submit to someone like you. And I'm sitting here thinking, I haven't, you know, I don't remember this exactly, but I was sitting here thinking, I was like, you know, how are you getting talked to like this by a ten year old, like you. You're not going to, no, you're not, you're not even, you haven't even hit puberty, my boy. You're not going to be talking to me like, I would have slapped him or something, but he's sitting there stuttering and stuff like that. Straight bitch made, bitch all in his blood. Yo, so, you know, I have a theory. I think Yahiko talks like he does because he knows Kenshin is standing behind him, bro. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. (laughs) Would Yahiko really be saying this shit? Well, he probably would, honestly, but... Would he be going this hard if Kenshin wasn't behind him uh, while Probably he was being not. held upside down in the air by a six foot five man? So yeah, like I would have, I would have like hit homeboy with the hilt of my sword or something in the face. Like you got to show some kind of aggression. He is talking to you crazy. Um, <laughs> and then you got Sonosuke that steps up behind him and is like, you know what? He pretty much like do it, Mister Murderous Sword. <laughs> and like it's really gotta the, the, the bitch has really gotta be in the air cause like why is everybody talking to him like this like it makes no sense to me <laughs> they, they, I'm telling you it's the Ken, I must start calling it the Kenshin effect man <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean yes I, I like it I like it I think we have to yeah we have to coin that one <laughs> but, but yeah and then this is where like Kenshin like reveals that Rajuda's sword can like really only cut people and slash them. I can't actually kill them because it doesn't cause any bleeding. And that he should kind of like just quit before he comes up against a real murderer because they, <laughs> they're just going to cut him down. They're not going to give him a lesson. You know what I'm saying? And then he does the most mind-boggling thing and drops his hostage. What is this man? Smart. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's something he should have done, you know, many minutes ago is drop the hostage and run away. Man, they they said this man really does not have any heart. Okay. I'm I'm gonna let you take it away. This was just bizarre to me. He had it all. He had a he had a 10-year-old hostage at at, at knife. 
So I'm, I'm, he I'm wasn't gonna, gonna do nothing with it, though. You know, yeah. that's, that's what yeah. they said, and they he was they was right, and he knew they know. was right. So if it was me, I might have cut him out of frustration. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so basically, all that ended. Um, you know, he just drops him. I think Kenshin uh, says a few more things, and then they just like, okay, gang, let's go. Um, and they just leave him there, like wallowing in self doubt. Yeah, I, I guess is what yeah. you would call it. Um, and then we go back to Yuta's dad. Um, back at the estate over there, and he reveals that he was just a nobody samurai back in the day. Um, with no connections, anything like that. But when the new era started, he used his skills um, to start appraising swords, and that's how he was able to uh, take care of his family and build up a fortune. Um, so uh, even though that is considered a loser's life or whatever from his son, obviously, uh, and he honestly thinks of himself that way too. I'm pretty sure uh, is I, what he said. I kind of get it though. Like, you know, yeah, he's getting rich and like he's providing for his family, but like, you know, according to him, like he's selling sword, which swords, which is like the samurai soul. And like we we saw this man on his hands and knees when uh, when uh, Rizuta like attacked them, you know, saying please don't don't hurt anybody. Like I get it. Like your son's there, but like. You know, with with your neck out on your knees, hands and knees is a little crazy. So I I completely understand where Yuta was coming from, not wanting to be like him. Yeah, and you know the thing is, is like, could he have stood up to uh, those people? You know, who knows? You know, he's been out of the game for so long, and who knows how good he was back when he was on top of the game? You know, so we we don't know. Uh, he probably just didn't want to see let his son's team get pieced up, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> hey, that's fair. That's fair. Um, but yeah, he also tells Kenshin that they'll be leaving me for Germany in like in like a week uh, to for some medical treatment. It's the most at that time is the most advanced uh, medicine in the world is in Germany. So they're trying to uh, fix Yuta's hand, and he's saying hopefully he'll forget about swordsmanship. But I I don't think that's gonna happen. The, the boys the boys got that blood in him. Um, kind of as they're leaving, uh, Yahiko. No one was, really knows what to say to Yuta because he's he's all mopey and his his, his whole life goal is kind of taken away from him. But uh, Yahiko kind of tries to give him a whack with a with a sword with a uh, wooden sword and kind of talks some junk to him to get some fire out of him. I thought that was a really cool moment, and he kind of tells him, you know. You're gonna let that you're gonna just be mopey until you die. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, come back from this. And then I thought that was a really cool exchange him and you to had. And he's like, you know, you know what? Once I uh, I heal up, I'm gonna come back, and the first thing I'm gonna do is like defeat you. So that was a really good ending, uh, seeing how like broken down that kid was at first. Yeah. He he basically said, You're gonna be a bitch like your Shisho over there, Oof. your sensei? Oof. Or you're gonna be a man like me. <laughs> that's pretty much it that's pretty much it um but yeah and then Kenshin and, and Kairu have like a short conversation about Rajuta saying you know he's very very talented with sword play but he really only focused on technique and uh Kairu 
thought that he had like enough talent to create his own sword style and, and bring that into the Meiji area era. But Kenshin is just like really just like you know I just hope that he sees the value in not having killed another person and that he can move past this whole thing. And uh, from there, we kind of can go to like the post credit scene, which I did. Did you end up watching it, Tyler? I did. Yeah. Oh man, this was. Oh, man, that was tough. That was tough to, to watch our bands like that. Yeah. But, um, do we do we get into it a little bit? Just a yeah, little? I think so. I think so. So, you know, he's sitting there like kind of thinking about what Kenshin told him. And he's like, got the uh, crazy eyes and shit. And he's like, I need to kill someone, anyone. You know, I guess that way his sword can actually be a murderous sword. I guess this is his mindset. So there's like an old lady and a little kid praying at the Buddha statue or the altar. I'm not sure what it is. Um, um, but it looked like he was going to chop their heads off and kill them because he didn't really care who to kill. And he ended up not doing it and instead chopping the head off of the, the statue. And, you know, that was a relief for me. I really thought he was going to do it, and I thought we was going to get maybe a round two of, um, you know, Kenshin and Bloodlust, um, uh, Rajuda. But mm-hmm. We don't. Yeah. We- I-, I thought it was a good way to, like, ra- uh, wrap up this little arc that they had because, um, you know, now we know he just does not have it in him to actually kill somebody. Um, and I, I, I was, I was hoping that he wasn't going to kill an old lady and her, her, her granddaughter. Um, but yeah. he just didn't, he just doesn't have the heart for it. It's just not in him. So I think this is a, is a good way to put Rajuda to bed. Um, he, he's, he's bitch made through and through and that, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Maybe, maybe he'll be a good guy now. He was kind of maybe praying or just like crying or I'm not sure at the statue. So. Yeah, hopefully he he has his come to Jesus moment in it. Hopefully that was it, or come to Buddha moment. I don't know, but yeah, it, I thought it was a good way to round out the uh, the end of the the episode. There, it was it was awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, next we have JJK episode fourteen fluctuations. Well, we were told by the manga readers <laughs> all year pretty much that the Shibuya arc would be freaking amazing and it is i'm really really enjoying it um and we've had a bunch of back-to-back action-packed episodes it's 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 really been a joy but things aren't looking good for the quote-unquote good guys i don't think there's any good guys in 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 jjk really (laughs) um i don't i think they're all fucking murderers um but it is what it is um but honestly, th- this episode kind of keeps up that theme of being being very fast paced. So we we open up with May May inside of the small pox uh, curses domain, and it successfully trapped her and what are we calling this boy? Ui Ui. How do you it's say his name? Wee Wee. Wee Wee. Okay, we speak in French now. Um, <laughs> I think they are actually halfway, or they try to be. You sure. know. Okay. So. Yeah. So, like, uh, the curse, if the curse successfully traps her uh, in or under, it's in the coffin and then under the rock for three seconds, um, you pretty much catch the disease and die uh, almost instantly. But May May is an actual psychopath. Um, I think, is it a narcissist? Yeah, she's a narcissist. Um, 
she so she asked Wee Wee, you know, are you ready to die for me? And I, th- I think that's all that Wee Wee is there for. Like he's like the the sacrifice. Um, so he makes a uh, Wee Wee attack to to um, the, the damn debate. sister complex, bro. I hate that shit. You know he's gonna die for her. Oh yeah, <laughs> she just wanted to hear it. <laughs> but um, and of course he says yes. You know it, it is what it is. And uh, Wee Wee makes himself the target. And then Mei Mei uh, is able to kill the curse once she's focused on him. And she uses uh, New Shadow uh, Style Simple Domain. Oh, no. So um, uh, that's what Wee Wee uses. He uses ah. like a new, it's called New Shadow Style, which is like a, um, it's kind of like a simple domain. It's, it's kind of like that. It's not actually using a domain. Mm-hmm. It's just using a domain that's not his in order to, uh, I guess, kind of negate or something like that in the domain. Yeah, they had uh, they have briefly gone over simple domains. Um, it kind of yeah, yeah. It makes people vulnerable to uh, attacks in some way. I don't remember exactly how. Yeah, I, I was Dan was the one that kind of got that more. Um, it was during the Mechamaru stuff. Uh, and I didn't really understand the whole simple domain concept as well as he did. So, yeah, JJK at times can be a little complicated. Uh, I won't lie. Um, but yeah, either way, the the small packs uh, pox. Um, wow, curse came back, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> May May ends up uh, killing it for the second time using her uh, kamikaze bird strikes, and. Yeah, they get out of the domain to see uh, Ghetto waiting on them. Yeah, and uh, so basically she just killed the smallpox stuff and hops out the domain and is like, you know, it's time to go to town on Ghetto. And they make quick work of uh, of that. But unfortunately, we don't get to see Ghetto and them fight, which I'm not sure how that would go, honestly. Um, I don't think May May and them's got it in them. Uh, nah, to be fair. they ain't so, got it like that. Um, but then we get into uh, we actually get into Nanami, Maki, and Nabu Nabuto, Nabito, I think maybe Nabito. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Well, let's go. <laughs> so uh, during the episode, if if I say drunk guy, this is who I'm talking about: the old guy, the gray-haired guy with the funny-looking mustache. That's drunk guy. Yeah, and he's like the Zenning leader, right? Yeah, he's the Zenning uh, head of house or whatever. I'm pretty okay. sure. Um, basically, they're walking and down to where they assume Gojo is or whatever, and they're talking about Gojo being sealed up. And the you know the Zenning head leader is like, you know, I'll be happy. You know, I'll I'll have a toast if Gojo is successfully sealed and you know all that stuff. Why do you think that he wants the clan to fail? Really? Well, uh, out of the the top six clans, I believe it is. I think they're all like vying for power. And I think if like the Gojo clan like loses, I mean Gojo, uh, Satsuru Gojo, they they're gonna be pretty much toppled. Like he's their shining star. Like he has their most powerful two abilities and that only happens every few hundred years. So I think they would lose their position in the, the jujitsu world after that and probably more power for the Zenin clan. 
But then again, on top of that, um, this shit is happening because the Gojo clan has been, uh, you know, put under for now. You know, the Zenings ain't got it like that. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he's probably just being selfish. It's politics. So, like, people usually don't. In politics, people usually are not looking out for the whole group. Yeah. And uh, we get into um, Nanami uh, walking down there. And Maki, you know, is a student. And she's not very powerful. And this dude is drunk. Like I said, uh, he's very drunk. And Nanami's just like, I think this is one of those times I'd be better off fighting by myself. And (laughs) I was just thinking to myself, man, if this ain't foreshadowing like this is crazy if this is foreshadowing nanami to die i'm gonna be sad as hell if this happens yo so. i was really worried about that too yeah <laughs> i was like this is pe- this is the shit people say before they die like for real yeah. <laughs> and uh so they keep on going they run into the a red cursed womb monster and apparently this drunk guy the head of the zenian clan is strong and fast and basically uh uh does his technique, but we don't really know a lot about it at the time and uses it to punch him and makes him spit out a shit ton of skeletons everywhere. So this, this thing is like ate a lot of people apparently. And, um, you know, it goes through its little spiel, its little monologue thing and actually transforms into a stronger curse after like remembering that Hanami, uh, ended up getting killed. I guess maybe he had a tie to Hanami and, He's basically able to conjure water and floods the whole place, basically, and um, with that water, which kind of makes it hard to do anything, fight, and stuff like that. So, and this is where we start to get a little crazy, just a little bit. So, the drunk guy, the head of the Zenian clan, he starts talking about frames and animation and he's like how much do you think it costs uh how much how much wor- I don't, I don't how, how many frames do you think in a second of animation which is typically 24 if we're talking yeah. about anime yeah and i so, thought he was making like a uh like a fourth wall joke or something you know kinda. that's what i thought too because even <laughs> before i got to watch the episode like i i was i was like on twitter and like i i saw like a, a clip of it and I don't mind like watching clips of it. Like yeah. it, it, if I can tell, like it, it's not, it's actually screenshots. So I feel much better with screenshots. Um, and I was like, you know, dude's kind of spitting about modern day animation, you know, like all this uh, <laughs> frame interpolation is, is really, yeah, it's a problem on my TV, the soap opera effect. I was like, this dude is spitting, but come yeah, to find I'll- out he's actually just like talking about his fucking powers. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, that shit went over my head so fast. Um, did you kind of understand his technique when they went into it? Um, somewhat. So, like, uh, like he splits one second into twenty four frames. That's why he was asking how many frames are in animation, and he can break off into one of those twenty four frames. Like, I guess it's like his, a trace of his next twenty four actions in a way. That's how he seems to teleport. Um, but if he doesn't define what he wants to do in that one second or, or when that 24 frames ends, he gets frozen for a second, but he can also apply it to other people when he touches him. That's why when he, um, was battling the, 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 the new curse, it was like freezing just barely, but he was actually 
able to hit it and like looked like he was teleporting, but he really wasn't. But the details of this, not too great on him. Um, and like, yeah, like it says here is like, yeah, some of his uh, his risks include he has to stay committed to his actions because like I think, you know, as he keeps moving, using it over and over, he's using a lot of brain power and uh, it can freeze him as well. And it actually says during the episode, he's the fastest sorcerer besides Gojo. Yeah, this is wild. Yes. So, so he's preying on Gojo's downfall in Sauteru's, yeah. And another thing that I didn't really understand about his technique is the um, when the dudes, when the curse froze, um, they kind of, sometimes they compressed it into like a window type looking deal. And I didn't understand how they got that way. That's like the frames. Oh. That's one of the twenty-four frames. Yeah. Oh, so like it compresses them into like a like a uh, flat uh, surface, I guess. Yeah, like it, it, I don't think it's like completely flat. Like there's some depth to it, but yeah, it puts you in like a, a little frame box. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I didn't understand that at first. I thought it was like um like like freezing them into a mirror or something. I don't know. Um, until they actually explained it a little bit, so. But uh, he basically gets the cursed monster down um, with his uh, attacking and stuff, and um, goes to finish 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 him off with the um, with a final hit. And what do you know? His cursed monster hits him with a domain expansion, Horizon of the Captivating Skanda, and they go to his domain, which is beach and palm trees. Yeah, they were. They, they went to Miami. It was yeah. lit. <laughs> Miami, Hawaii. Damn, that's a good domain to be in, bro. Huh? Nah, I'd be chilling in that shit. I wouldn't yeah. even be fighting with these people. Um, yeah, it was. It was. It was. I was honestly beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah. Um, but he starts hitting with some like guaranteed hits, and I think that's like the ability inside of his domain is is the guaranteed hit uh, with his shikigami, um, flying fish that kind of don't exist until they actually hit, and Nabuto. Uses secret art falling blossoming emotion, which is an anti domain technique, like kind of like a simple domain, I believe. JJK's yeah. is complicated. Um, and uses it to protect himself from some of the guaranteed hits. Um, Nanami is not having a great time with this, though. Um, our, our, our 70 20, uh, 70 uh, 30 boy is, is kind of getting uh, a little messed up by this. Yep. And, uh, Basically, he's getting messed up by a death swarm. It's where it's an endless amount of these uh, um, Shikigami come flying out of nowhere and just attacks them. And as we see, um, you know, drunk guy Naboto, um, he's able to, like, block a bunch of them, but Nanami is no, no bueno, like Bass said. And Maki is actually trying to help him uh, fight them, but she starts to be overwhelmed as well. And then, um, uh, the cursed monster decides to come up close and actually break, uh, drunk guys like, uh, technique, anti-domain technique. That way he can start hitting him with what he's got. And, um, so we're, we're in bad shape now and, uh, everything's down looking bad. When all of a sudden, uh, Megumi pops up out of the damn water, bro. 
and he's just uh you know he's like oh i'm here bro and he throws uh you know maki her nunchucks her special nunchucks yes sir it's like the, it's there's this special grade uh cursed object and then maki can finally start cooking a little bit um because i don't know why she i didn't know why she didn't bring them shits just to off rip like what the fuck are you doing gojo sealed like somebody pull up yeah um but yeah it like gives her like a fighting chance against this guy um but it also it's also she's not really cooking you know she gets a couple hits in but they're still in a very very bad situation um making me uh the, the, the curse things Megami is trying to overcome his domain. And what he's really actually trying to do is just create a hole. He's like, I don't, we don't need to be in here. This is a guaranteed hit area and we're going to, you're going to die in here. So he kind of lets uh, Nanami know of the plan. And while old, old grandpops and, and Maki are still trying to go blow for blow, uh, Nanami kind of says, hey, we got to go. Here's the plan. And yeah. just as they're like pulling up to Megami to like go through his like little hole he's made in this domain. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I just wasn't like really like we knew Toji was out and about, but like him pulling up and coming through that hole. What did you think about that, Tyler? You know, uh, it caught me off guard because that, that was a solid plan by Megumi. Uh, get him out of there and you know our boy the curse kind of realized that the last second but he's like oh shit you know you're too late bro and um they just start to jump in the hole or whatever or go to jump in it and there's arms shooting up and and we see the face for a brief second and a black fitted t-shirt and yeah and we know what's up it's our man toji and I was just like, I instantly, my jaw dropped. I was like, it, how? <laughs> how are they going to, like... It's Nanami, about to get cracking. Yeah, Nanami and them's like, beat the shit up. Like, Megumi's over here, exhausted as hell, trying to do what he's trying to do. Like, who can fight him? While, nope, nobody's got Toji. Yeah, I mean, even while the curse user is like running towards them at the, as we speak, like how they how they get out of this? The only way is that that Toji actually attacks the curse. I don't know because if Toji starts throwing hands with any of them, it's a fucking wrap. Like, dude is OP and he's fresh. Wait a minute, Bass. What if what if Toji is actually here to help his son? I can see that. But how would he know it's Megami? He knows, man. He's got to know. I was wondering why he like, I was wondering like why he pulled up to this specific location. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this makes sense, bro. Like, uh, how would he he comes in, takes care of the curse user, maybe gives some lip to Nanami and them. Um, and then, because uh, he wants to talk to his son or whatever, bullshit with his son, probably, I don't know, do what Toji does. And then they can maybe get away, you know, or something. I don't know. Okay. What, I, what I'm going to say is, if Toji doesn't kill at least one person, this is fraudulent. 
Tanami's dead, bro. I'm just telling you straight <laughs> up. You think he's going to die? I mean, man, drunk guy is the head of the Zenin clan. He lost an arm. Uh, he's not going to kill his son right now. He's not going to kill Maki. Nanami is a fan favorite, I believe. And um, everybody would be sad if they died. And that's the theme of the Shibuya arc. <sighs> is people getting sealed or dying, apparently. The, the, this whole season, there's been deaths left and right, bro. Like Fine. Nanami's dead, bro. Dude, I don't want to see Nanami die. He's dead. You might as well ride it off. He's dead, bro. All right, bro. <laughs> you, see, you're going to make me depressed near the end of the show. That's crazy. But, you know, you know, you don't have to stay depressed for too long because we're partying in one piece, baby. Let's so. go. Let's go. <laughs> and if you ain't got nothing else for JJK, we'll get into it, bro. Let's get after it. Well, um... So we get after 1081, the world will burn the onslaught of a Navy Admiral. And basically, as the party continues, unbeknownst to the Straw Hats, moves are being made all over the world, including in Wano, right in their backyard. Um, so we open up the episode to a pirate ship off the coast of Wano. And it's someone we haven't seen in a while, actually. We take a guess who it is, Bass. Man, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you do it. I'm gonna let you do it. Nah, I got it. Shanks, baby, <laughs> he's making his move. Let's go. Yeah, he's he's back and he's better than Eller ever. I think maybe possibly. So we shall see. We shall see. But we get into it, and um, he's just basically uh, they're all just talking. Uh, uh, kind of like you know, I'm excited. You know, I want to see Luffy. I don't want to see, you know, Usopp. You know, they're got, they got mixed feelings about whether they want to um, go visit the Straw Hats or whatever. And then Shanks uh, says he senses someone sneaking onto the island. And you kind of see Ryukuji, um, you know, who we've seen in the past uh, episode. Uh, do, you know, at the time, did you have any kind of thoughts? on his powers or anything like that um uh, i i kind of want to go back uh to talk about this the uh, the red-haired pirates just for a second i I thought it was really cool some really cool interactions uh yeah you had lucky um talking about yeah we got to go see luffy he's already become a great pirate um you know he's an emperor of the sea now like it's it's like let's pull up but uh yasop it's like, I can't, I, I really don't know how to face Usopp right now. Like, yeah, you're a deadbeat, bro. Like, yeah, I'd be a little concerned too. But yeah, uh, Beckman seems a little bit more serious. So I was wondering what that was about. Uh, Shanks was seeming, he was smiling, but he, he seemed a little, so like something was bothering him too. But yeah, as far as Ry- Ryoko Gu's uh, power, um, as he as he started like stepping around, and I thought we saw uh, last last episode as well um sorry guys i watched these all back to back i've been away um <laughs> we kind of like saw him stepping around and creating flowers i thought he was just going to have the ability to like manifest flowers i didn't know it was going to be a um a logia yeah fruit i i, I what were you what were your impressions man well we've seen last episode that he was able to absorb um things too that he touched yes. um I thought maybe that he could like manipulate um uh 
plants or maybe pre-existing plants or something. That's what I was and, thinking, yeah. Yeah, but I didn't know it was to this extent, and um, uh, I guess we'll... uh. I guess uh, we'll get into it in a second, though, because they really go into his powers on a thing on a much greater detail. We just didn't really know much about him at this time. We knew that flowers came up as he was walking, like you see after Shanks mentions him. Um, you see like the path that he's taken is just like a field of flowers. So it's interesting, like what, why he has that effect. Honestly, even though. He's able to um, shoot wood from his hands like Spider-Man, basically. So, right, right. Yeah, one one thing that I thought was really interesting, um, like you have all the retainers and everybody partying and whatnot, but a lot of the retainers um, start noticing this, this Navy soldier's presence. I, I didn't know they had that sort of sensing ability. You know what I'm saying? Because I don't feel I don't feel like they've shown it in mass like this before, where you have I, different people coming up from different parts of the, the the city and the party, being like, "Okay, there's somebody over here somewhere. Oh, you guys are here too." You know? Yeah. Well, the crazy thing is, is that um, how are they able to tell his apart from uh? like the beast pirates because he's he's been there he's been on the island fighting the beast pirates or like demolishing them whatever and they just now notice like i i don't know it, that doesn't add up to me but i'll overlook it you know they it, it's for the sake of the party i, mean, I guess you know yeah, so yeah, i suppose maybe a hockey boost after fighting all those strong opponents or something i don't know i really just don't know how to explain it yeah, um, and basically their um, uh, decision was not to go and tell Luffy and the Straw Hats because they just got done fighting. But the thing is, is they just got done fighting too. And if I recall correctly, they was more pieced up than the straw, most of the Straw Hats, honestly. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, um. I think it was the right thing to do. I, 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 well, I don't know if it was the right thing to do, but I kind <laughs> of understand where they were like coming from. Like he's just, he's already done so much for us. Like, yeah. Are we just going to keep asking him to fight our battles? Like, like at what point are we going to stand up and take care of our own home? Yeah. Yeah. What did you, what did you think about it though? Like, did you think it was the right decision? Honestly, um, uh, I, I think it was a valiant decision uh, not to break up the party and stuff because you don't want the people thinking that there is going to be something to take away their newfound freedom, you know? And obviously, um, if Luffy would have been notified of it, uh, it wouldn't have been able to be hidden. But the thing is, is they just got done taking down... He just got done taking down the Beast Pirates, which... I know they're exhausted, but so are they, you know, and they couldn't stand a chance against the beast pirates, king and queen and all of them. And he just like wiped them out of existence just like that. Do do we really think they can stand a chance, you know? Right. So, right. Yeah, I think it's better if Luffy at least has a a warning that oh shit, this is about to happen, you know, instead of, you know, so oh shit, this is happening. So, 
Exactly. Yeah. Like, like you don't ask him to fight, but like being like, hey, like we're gonna go take take care of some trouble. Yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. But uh, yeah, we get into the you know the battle begins, and we get into the samurai versus Ryukiju, Ryukuju, and um, one thing I want to note is Kappa's sword. We've seen him fighting and fighting time and time again, but this shit was cool as hell, bro. It was like green. It looked like a lightsaber in action. Did you like that? Yeah. Oh, I'm a big Star Wars fan. I loved it. Are you kidding me? Looking like, like a little Luke lightsaber. Yeah, it was sick. Bro, that spin, they, he done like a mid-air spin, and I swear they used like a Star Wars animation. I ain't gonna lie. It was clean. Kappa really showing out right now. Yeah. Um... And then we get into some of the monologue. Uh, Ryukuju tells them, you know, tells all the retainers that the celestial dragons are the gods of this world. And since Wano isn't a member of the government, then they don't have any rights, is what he says. And he says that, you know, if you get in my way, I'm just going to kill you. And because the law doesn't apply here in Wano. And. You know, there's nothing anyone could do to me for killing you. So, yeah, he had a very few, uh, very uh, uh, weird view of the world. It's like if you're not with the world government, yeah, I don't, I can do whatever I want. And he even like goes on to say like, um, you know, like we're I'm allowed to discriminate against you. Like your life is meaningless. Like you're below me. Um, and even co- goes on to say discrimination is a comfort and it's a necessary evil. No, we have to put you below us so we can be above you, yeah. which is a crazy logic. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how does like really what they're doing affect anything in your life? Yeah, the whole time he was giving his like monologue, I was just like, man, this sounds like Doflamingo, bro. This is some <laughs> Doflamingo type shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, a, a little bit, but like, like I feel like at least with with Doffy, like it made a little bit more sense. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like this guy, I felt like he was just talking out of his ass, like to make himself feel like he was justified. You know what I'm saying? Well, Doffy does the same thing, but like I could yeah. more understand what Doffy was saying. It seemed more logical than this. Yeah, I think it's basically just abuse of power and wanting to kill. I think is his That's um it. um things. Whereas uh, Doffy is just like. You know, he's just doing shit just to prove a point, I guess, um, and stuff like that. But, you know, uh, during all this, we actually get to see Ryukuju's powers. And um, it goes into it a little bit. Uh, well, I don't think it really goes into it, but he does something called Groves of Wrath. And he basically turns into a, like a giant ant, like a tree. Um, an ant? What is an ant? Oh no! You've never seen Lord of the Rings. Oh shit! Them shits is called ants. That yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you had me worried for a minute, man. <laughs> <laughs> never seen Harry Potter. I'm like, no way! This man has never seen Lord of the Rings, bro. <laughs> no, I love Lord of the Rings. I forgot they were called ants. <laughs> but yeah, that's what he looked like. Uh, he looked like ants, which if y'all are not familiar with it, think uh, Groot times a thousand. Yeah, it's like Groot, but at the size of a fucking tree. Yeah. Big ass tree. Full grown, grown man tree. tree. But basically, he has the woods, woods fruit. And it is a Logia type fruit, like Bass said before. He can turn his body into wood and manipulate it. Um, I'm not sure where the 
flowers and the budding flowers come from dough. It must be like a, another thing he can do with it, maybe. Yeah, I, I think it's just wood, plants. So. Plants in general, I think yeah. he has like power to turn into different plants. But like, yeah, I was thinking like this is a dope ass power, and like it seems like kind of like it goes kind of hard. But like, you can just light a homeboy on fire. He's cooked. Maybe, but. What if we start getting into like the um? What if we start getting into like the Hashirama type shit, bro? I mean, I can see how it could be very, very powerful. But don't don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but but the thing with like Hashirama shit is like it, it could like suck the life out of you. I, well, he, he can, can suck too. the life out of you too. Holy, oh, hold on, hold That's on, what pause, I'm saying, bro. Okay, okay, he got a little something, something going. Like, he got some motion. We don't know a lot about this shit. We we just this is all we know so far, and we've basically seen it in action more than we've heard it being talked about. True. So I think I think know. Sabo cooks his ass though. Maybe it uh, it just depends, man. Just Not he's gonna show up, but like yeah, that that's just a terrible matchup for him. Uh, yeah, and you know, funny you should mention Sabo. Like I don't know if he has the um. Nobody knows where he's at or what he's doing right now. So we still don't know, even though we get into a little bit about Sabo later. Um, but basically, the continue to spot, um, the, the retainers are kind of getting a hand to them. And Yamato just comes off the top rope, comes in hot um, with uh, their club and hits him onto the ground, gives him a good knock. Um, but I don't think it really done much damage. Just surprised, I think, mostly, I believe. Yeah, he, he was, like, talking about there's a pink dragon. He's like, I don't know this devil fruit. Yeah. that That's after Momo come in. But, and that, that goes to the thing, too. Like, how the hell did Momo know that Ryukuji was there? See, you I'm know? so, like, this is, yeah, like, everybody's observation hockey's going crazy right now. Like, Momo, like, maybe the retainer, sure. Maybe Yamato, sure. But Momo? Well, Momo's got the voice of all things, doesn't he? Well, I mean, he's got the voice that communicates with Luffy and um, Zoe. But yeah. he doesn't, like, have it to communicate with everyone else, though. That's or, true. I mean, yeah. I don't know how the voice of all things works in, in a lot of detail. But, yeah, something, something sketchy is going on with everybody pulling <laughs> up on uh, on this guy here, yeah. Maybe it's just this, you know, spotty senses or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> spotty senses are tingling. <laughs> but any, but <laughs> but anyway, uh, Rio Kuju like actually ends up wrapping up Momo uh, as he's getting bitten, and like he pretty much has him in a headlock, and it's like, yeah, sit down somewhere. Yeah, but, I think he made shit worse when he showed up. Honestly, I, Momo should have just stayed his ass back out of there somewhere. Hey man, he's so. he's a shogun now. He's got to pull up somehow. Uh, maybe, I, I, I respect the spirit. He, at least he's not crying anymore. Yet. <laughs> but uh, then we get back into Shanks. We go straight back to Shanks, and um, you know, as we was talking about, they was having mixed feelings about whether they was uh uh one to go see Luffy or not. Luffy and all of them, and um, uh, then we get into like. It goes straight into like a flashback, uh, I guess, of memories of Shanks when uh, the crew asked him, you know, if they're going to go see him or not. And we just see, you know, him attacking the CP9 ship to get the devil fruit that Luffy had ate, um, you know, 
Kind of how Luffy got a scar too. Is that the first time we've seen this? Oh no, sir. No, Bro, we've okay. seen this so many times. So, <laughs> I was just about to actually comment if I see this fucking scene one more goddamn time. <laughs> it must be because I don't pay attention during this shit. So, <laughs> yeah, the flashbacks are tough. But one thing I want to mention though, um, uh, did the animation? Did it look like they redid the animation for this whole flashback scene? Yeah, it was earlier this year they started redoing the anim- animations for the flashbacks. That's probably why you didn't recognize it because we've seen this probably. Yeah. It went Half hard, a dozen bro. times, if not plus. Yeah, it was good. It was yeah. good animation. Yeah, they're, they're really outdoing themselves. Yeah, and uh, after all that ended, you know, um, Shanks come back, comes back to the real world, and he answers his crew, and he's like, no, I have no intentions of seeing Luffy. And it comes to find out that Arab man Roosterhead, Bardo, burned Shanks, Jolly Roger, and put Luffy's up. Because he's just a dumbass. So that's basically what it boils down to. And um, basically Shanks is like, you know, if I go see Luffy right now in the Straw Hats and don't do anything and don't respond to that uh, disrespect, then he will lose respect of his people. So it's best to not see him right now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I I completely agree with that. Um. Yeah, yeah. So they're gonna try to avoid him, uh, although it would be a funny interaction. But I, I, I think it's, I think it's obviously best if we we hold that off as long as we can. Yeah, it's not time yet. And um, no. then we get into the uh, the last scenes of the show, and basically Akainu um is just having a flashback and um a flashback of Akainu, and he's discussing the newspapers that uh with uh. Karoma, which is a um, basically like the FBI of uh, the Marines, right? The director, the head in charge, I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Uh, that's a good description. Yeah, and uh, and Borsalina as well. Um, and the main headline is Sabo killed King Cobra. I think this is the first time we've seen this, right? It is, and we all know it's Cap. Yeah, but I mean the whole world believes it. Um uh Yeah, it's said, in the freaking news, yeah. Yeah. And I mean he disappeared and stuff and you know I'm we we don't know. We don't know anything but what the news tells us. But uh he's basically just saying that they don't have the men to send after the revolutionary army, even though that they need to be responded to, they still can't respond to them because of that reason. And uh, apparently the Revolutionary Army done a few things. Apparently they uh, destroyed the hoof of the Celestial Dragon and declared war on the world government, which is really, really brave. Yes. And the hoof is like their their their, their symbol, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was in the middle of town. I'm assuming it's some kind of statue. That's what uh, it seemed like to me. Yeah. They said in the land of the gods. So I'm. that's where the... Um, uh, all the royals actually live, I guess, on Mary Joy's, mm-hmm. right? Or however you say Marie it. Joie. Yeah. Marie Joie. Yeah. Marie And they also pulled up and they saved Kuma, man. Yeah. Last time we saw Kuma, he had all kinds of shit in his back and, and the Celestial drag- Dragons were riding him around and mm-hmm. kicking him and punching him and shit. So I was really, really, really happy 
that uh, Kuma got freed, man. Yeah, I'm even more impressed that they freed him with Fujitora and Ryokuju, which is the dude that's attacking Rano right now, um, fighting against them. That's that's pretty heavy odds, honestly. Yeah, I mean, but the Revolutionary Army, they're 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 very very strong people, and Sabo, yeah. we we know Sabo's about that action. Yeah, and um, also uh, some more news. Uh, Princess Vivi also went missing around the same time as the murder of Cobra. Uh, so we don't really know what's going on with her right now. Um, Alabasta is like a lawless land, I guess, somewhat, or a chaotic land, because they don't have no ruler right now. So both, both, uh, head, both of the family members are like just MIA right now. So yeah, something, something fishy is going on for sure. Um, and then to top it off, people are basically looking at Sabo as a god. He's basically god now. Um, and they're calling him the Flame Emperor. He's actually more popular than Dragon, apparently. Um, so that's a fun thing to see. We've seen like the big um, posters and um, whatever you want to call them uh, on the, in the towns and stuff. So he's, he's got a lot of following now, apparently. Yeah, so Saba's out there making a name for himself too, just like Luffy. Um, you know, we gotta figure out who's bigger, God Usopp or God Sabo. I think it's probably <laughs> God Usopp, but you know, I'm a little biased. Go D Usopp, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh then we finish up this episode. Um uh we see Akainu. Uh he's actually outside of Wano. I guess he's heading towards Wano. We've seen um uh, he he's finally admitting that he became admiral at the wrong time, but he also says that no matter what, he will never back down, and basically he will always strike back. Um, so that's I guess good to see if you're on that side, you know. Bad to see if you're on our side, the good side with Luffy. Mm-hmm. So um, is he actually pulling up the Wano? I think so. Oh um, my god. I mean, we've uh, didn't he tell uh, Ryukuju like don't do anything until I get oh, there? Oh yeah, that is no. right. Yeah, now this is about to go crazy. And Ryukuju's just like, yeah, don't tell Akiano, uh, Akienu, but I'm doing this shit, bro. <laughs> I'm him. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, we, we, we're gonna see what's gonna happen. It's 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 heating up all over again. The stove then, is still hot. One of the craziest things to end the episode. Uh, Shanks is just chilling, pouring him some sake, drinking it, drinking some shots. And then he looks back to Beck and he's like, it's time. And he, and Beck was just like, what? What are you like? Just looking at him confused. And he's like, time to go acquire the one piece. Heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That's big words. That's huge <laughs> words. So yeah, that, that that's going to put... Um, our, our boy uh, Shanks uh, on the warpath with Luffy because I don't think Luffy's going to let that happen. Um, but <laughs> I don't know how he's going to fucking stop Shanks. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, things are heating up. Akainu's on the way. Uh, so we got we got the Navy about to pull up. Shanks is about to pull up. Uh, Luffy's hurt. Yeah, this is about to go crazy. I'm I'm, ex- I'm really so excited. It's It's not over. The good times aren't over, y'all. Yo, you remember back in, I think, episode one of Anime DJs when I said Shanks 
uh was gonna was gonna be the enemy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I mean, Bardo made made Luffy and Shanks and you know enemies. Yeah, he, he fucked up. Like he really he, fucked up. He set my shit up, bro. Yeah, he did. Yeah, Here we you are. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna be right, baby. Yeah, I was just bullshitting. Too. He's also read the manga. So fuck off. No, we I, we don't like at that time. We're talking like fifty. Uh, we're talking like fifty weeks ago, bro. We wasn't even out of Wano then. Jesus Christ, that is you right. Know? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Whatever. Not Tyler 50, could just 40. see the future. My bad. My bad. Yeah. I, I, was just, you know, I wasn't I familiar was just, with your game. You know I was saying? just swinging, swinging away at the balls, bro. And I finally hit one, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. But yeah. All right. Yeah, we Gucci. Um, I guess uh, that's the end of the episode. Usually Dan does this part, but um, I guess I'll do this part this time. So make sure y'all rate the podcast on any of your podcast platforms. Uh, If you have any questions or topics that you'd like for us to talk about for any of these shows, please get us in discord and let us know before Monday night. And we'll talk about them. Uh, Linktree.com slash anime DJs. And next week we'll be back on our normal schedule. We'll see y'all on Tuesday. Hopefully all of us. We'll see. Peace. Yeah.